Welcome to the Oakland Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Randy Bain. It's our prayer that this message encourages you and strengthens you. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org. Holy Spirit fire in here. I know that this place, uh, our campus was, uh, you know, it was pretty full yesterday. You know, uh, Upward Sports started Friday night and then Saturday morning. Uh, they had games all the way through about. I, I thought uh, Jared did such a good job introducing the sermon last week, this series. Now I felt like tremendous pressure. You know, mm-hmm. a little line he said, "Yeah, I, I can't wait to see how Randy does this." And I was like, "Oh my god." Uh, <laughs> So I I worked hard all week and uh, could not put together a succinct two or three points that I felt God was sharing. And so I'm giving you all seven. (laughs) So basically I'm going to read the whole chapter uh, and then I'm going to just go down to, these are kind of like things the Lord spoke to me about. I was hoping each one of them would develop into a major, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, whamming point, but never happened. But uh, they might all be that, and maybe everyone here out of the seven is going to one of those perfect numbers. So hopefully uh, one of these are speaking to you in a major way, so we'll trust that. So let's start with just reading the scripture. I'm going to read all 17 verses. usually try to keep it shorter than 10, but uh, this is just a chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, because their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid for the fare, and boarded it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. However, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah was uh, gone below into the stern of the ship, had laid down, and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may find out on whose account this catastrophe has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, uh, Well, tell us now, on whose account has this catastrophe struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And when the men beca- Then the men became extremely afraid, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And so, so they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea will become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and then the sea uh, will become calm for you. 
because I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not because the sea was becoming even stormier against them. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the man became extremely afraid of the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord designated a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this holy word. Thank you, Lord, for the message for us. Definitely an illustration of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But Lord, also, there's a word for us, each of us here, individually. I pray that we would have ears to hear. I may be behind the cross that you might speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, a couple of verses that stand out, normally ones that you wouldn't think about, but verses 15 and 16, I wanted to just identify as some key verses. So let's recite these together. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men became extremely afraid of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Jonah 1, 15 and 16. First of all, I just think about the call of God. It said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. How many calls do you get that you don't want? <laughs> you know, I talked about uh, my, my son Ryan saying, just what I didn't want for Christmas. And sometimes, how many times, I, mean, I, I, didn't, I don't know how it happens, but on my cell phone, I get a word that says spam warning. You know, one time it rang and Tony, who's that? I said, I don't know, the spam family. She goes, who's that? I said, I don't know, it says spam warning. I don't know who said. <laughs> yeah, I didn't answer it, you know. Uh, you know, where's caller ID when you, when you need it? You know, he did not want to hear from them. Didn't want this word from the Lord. And, and I wonder sometimes, aren't we like that? We're very selective, who we want to answer the phone to. And maybe if the Lord's calling, we want to be selective about what word we hear. You know, we, we want to hear what we want to hear. Uh, and not necessarily what God wants us to hear. Um, he was a prophet. I mean, it's Second Second Kings uh, fourteen twenty five. It tells us story in the reign of Jeroboam the second. He was a prophet and prophesied. Probably eighth century B.C. And it's kind of I always get confused about that. So that means it's in the seven hundreds. Okay, eighth century B.C. So somewhere in the seven hundred B.C. This was when uh, Jonah was prophesying. And so when did this actually take place? Well. We don't know exactly, but we know it had to be before 612 B.C. Because 612 B.C. is when Nineveh was, taken, was destroyed by the Babylonians. And so at this time, the Assyrians were a major power. And uh, this, they, would have, they would have been a very strong, uh, powerful uh, regime uh, over all the known world. And so uh, somewhere between, you know, around the uh, 700s uh, and towards the 600 B.C., that's, that's when this all took place. But the word of the Lord came to him, and uh, he heard it. Okay? He knew what it meant. Right. You know, I, I often, I know a lot of times people say, I just don't get, I read the Bible, I just don't understand it. I read the Bible, I just don't understand it. You ever hear that? You've probably said that, right? I just don't get it. Don't worry about the stuff you don't get. Worry about the stuff you do understand all too well. Amen. Right? Now Jonah understood this all too well. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do, right? He wanted him to go and preach to the enemy. 
Verse 2, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah 1, 2. Now, I, I struggle with this a little bit. Not, not struggle with Jonah, but I struggle with myself. I mean, what, what, who would be our enemy? Are you just going to pick up and go in the enemy city and start preaching at them? I mean, I mean, I, I, I sympathize with Jonah. I don't want to be that preacher. I don't want to be that prophet. You know, I mean, you go and put your fist in the enemy's face and say, God's going to destroy you, you know? That's what he was being called to do. Now, that wasn't his problem, though, right? If you read, we're going to see later, what was his problem? Why didn't Jonah want to go? They'd respond. Yes, he knew God was gracious, and this has given them a chance. He didn't want them to have a chance. You know, he didn't want them to survive. This is the enemy. This is the, you know, the ones who we're fighting against. The ones who are threatening to destroy us. But arise and go. Now, we don't get to pick whom God is calling. We don't get to pick whom God places in our lives. So I, and I know right now, how many of your prayers are praying for people God has put in your lives? Or you're wanting them out of your lives or something, you know? I mean, it's like, this is my burden. This is where God has placed me. I always like that quote that says, it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys, right? <laughs> but God wants us to soar in our current circumstance, right? Amen. Amen. And oftentimes our prayers are, Lord, get, us, get me out of my current circumstance. But God wants us to soar in our current circumstance. And so we don't get to pick whom God is calling. And believe me, if God is laying someone in your heart, He is working in their lives. He is working. I, I'm not, number, number one, I just don't believe God wastes our time. Right? Someone said, well, how long do you pray for someone until God takes the burden away? <laughs> until God is done working, until He tells you stop. That's how long. We, and, I, and I do believe if God is speaking, then He is working. Now, uh, we can pray. We can fast, we can mourn, we can weep, we can pray for the lost, for the lost around us in our, and, and, and maybe it seems like God isn't working. Keep praying. Yeah. Never give up. But we must respond when the call of God comes. When there's an open door. You know, a few years ago, uh, we saw, Darlene and I saw some ad about, I don't know what it's called, Smile something, Smile International, Smile something. And we sent some money in. Like, oh, it was it was these doctors that go overseas and fix those cleft palates and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I just that just broke my heart, you know. That's like the dogs they show that are freezing. <laughs> I don't send money to that. But anyway, but I did, I did. I thought, Lord, maybe this is something you're calling me to. I mean, I could see myself, you know, going with a mission team to, you know, I wouldn't be able to do the medical work, but I could pray with people and I could, you know, organize people. I could do a lot of other stuff. And, and so we gave the money, and immediately we started to get inundated with mail. <laughs> it was basically a fundraising thing, and, and there really, I didn't know this, there's, if there's any spiritual connection to that. And then, uh, and so we, we kind of eventually, you know, backed out of that. It wasn't like, okay, God, this isn't what you have for me. But, but we, we have to be open that God is opening the door. More recently, I know I saw the Samaritan Purse video uh, that we showed right around Operation Christmas Child. And it talked about how they have their own ministry to the cleft palates and smiles. And I thought, wow, I, maybe, maybe the Lord's, that's where he's calling. But who, we don't know what God has in store. But if God's word speaks to you, if he gives you an opportunity, we need to walk into it. Yeah, right. right? 
Now, now Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. It was a flourishing city. It was a big city. Uh, and you even read when we get later in the, in the book of Jonah how long it took them to walk into the city. I mean, that, that, it, it's one of those big cities of the world. And, and God is calling him to go there and to preach the gospel. Third, third point, Jonah fled from God's presence. Mm-hmm. We should just think about that a little bit. He fled from God's presence. And, and I think, I, li- I like, <laughs> when I'm reading that, it's like, it, it, one of the hard words to say is Tarshish. Right? Let's all say that five, no. You know, it's just hard to say, it doesn't come out. But yet it repeats that over and over and over again. I said he got up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now Tarshish doesn't mean from the presence of the Lord. But, but it, it was, the, uh, it was uh, at the end of the Mediterranean Sea to the west, like at the, at the uh, Rock of Gibraltar, that area like southern Spain. I mean, that, that's where Tarshish was. Now, I want you to think about it. If we're believing at this point that the world is flat, that's what they believe, though, okay? What happens when you go past Tarshish? You go off the edge. Okay, I mean, this, this is the end of the earth. This is as far as it goes. And we don't know what happens after that. So he, he just picked it, got it on a boat. I'm going as far as I can go that way. You know, uh, I mean, he, he was leading. But the, the thing is, can you flee from the presence of God? No, you can't. I mean, Psalm, I love Psalm 139. I'm going to read several verses. It says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, be like hell, uh, behold, you are there. If I take my wings of the dawn and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will take hold of me. If I shorten the darkness will overwhelm me. Almost sounds like Jonah, doesn't it? If the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me be night, even if the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as day, darkness is as light, or dark and light are light to you. You know, when the, when the West expansion was going, the, the word was, go west, young man. Well, that's exactly what he did. Um, Nineveh would be the uh, northeast, of, of northern Israel, that's where he lived. And where did he go? He went southwest to Joppa, got on a boat and went west as far as he could go. He was fleeing from God. Have, have you ever done that? I, I'm hoping, you're here this morning, so I'm hoping you haven't done that. But uh, they're, they're, uh, when we know exactly what God wants us to do, and we don't want to do it, that, that, is a, that is a moment of rebellion. That is a moment of fleeing from God. That, that's a scary time, I think. Scary place for us to be. I, I want you to notice the depths of disobedience. It says in verse 5, Jonah had gone below in the stern of the ship, had lain down and fallen a sound asleep. Below, down. I mean, if you read this passage, you see that he went down to Joppa. He went down into the belly of the ship. And then he gets thrown down into the water. He ends up down in the fish's belly. I mean, there, there, do you see what direction he's going? Down, down, down. And, and, and really, when we rebel, when we disobey, it says that we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin, right? Yeah. But if you don't walk in the light, it is a short trip from disobedience and rebellion to, to total collapse. It is a short trip. 
Wow. I often, in, in, with the staff, and even you can ask, ask anybody here at the church, I, I, am, I am like uh, hyper-vigilant about not hanging out with women. I mean, just just, just cause. Uh, I just, my wife deserves that. You know, she needs to know that she's safe with me. The ministry deserves that. All it takes is one accusation, mm -hmm. and the ministry's shot. Right? I mean, it doesn't have to be true. Just an accusation. I mean, you can mess up one time. Or if there is even one little iota of attraction, you step over that line, you're messed up. Look, look at King David, right? He, he was the, the image of the perfect king, a man after God's own heart. And how did it start for him? Well, the kings went off to battle, and what did he do? He stayed home. Yeah. I mean, that was the first act. And then it says that he got up in the afternoon from a nap and decided to look out over the town. I mean, he's sleeping like, till the afternoon, you know, and, and then he sees someone, and what he doesn't just see, he takes a second look, and then he asks and inquires about her. And then since he's king, he calls her. And then, of course, he murders a husband, and, and then he covers it up. And then, so how much, it went, how quickly did it go from King David, the man after God's own heart, to being... Nathan saying, you are the man, right. oh Lord, uh, David, you are the man. It's, it's a quick trip. Look at Judas. Judas is another example of, of how the, this happened so quickly. Judas was the keeper of the, of the purse, and remember when Mary gave the alabaster box uh, of perfume as an offering, he was upset, he criticized, he was griping about money. And it tells us in the Gospels that he used to take money out of the, out of the, out of the treasury. And then he ends up talking to the chief priest. And then he ends up being the one who betrays Jesus. And then he ends up, you know, being the one who was off and, you know, remorse, hung himself. I mean, it's a short trip from disobedience, from rebellion to utter disaster. Uh, Jonah is the example of utter disaster. Christian, uh, it's a very short trip from being moral and upright to being perverted and evil and depraved. That's so sad. Except for the grace of God, right? There goes me. Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. If you suppress the truth in unrighteousness, the wrath of God is revealed. Romans 2.1 says, Therefore you have no excuse, you foolish person. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in the matter in which you pass judgment, you condemn yourself for you practice the same things. Down, down, down. Disobedience will lead to rock bottom. But there's hope. Because even in rock bottom, that's what repentance means. That means you turn around. You look up. The prodigal son, remember it says, when he came to himself, he was hungry to eat pig slop. He said, he came to himself. And he said, I will go back to God. We can call on him. There's an interesting little place here uh, where they were casting lots, and, and sometimes we get a little confused about that. We don't know how they cast lots exactly. Jonah 1.7 says, They said to themselves, Come, let us cast lots to find out who did this, who's, who's to blame. So they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. Well, I mean, casting lots is really just a... It's like flipping a coin. It would be like drawing a straw. And what you're doing is you're trusting... You know, at least in these times, 
that God is going to make things work the right way, and you're going to abide by what happens. Now, of course, you know there's going to be football playoffs, and they always flip this coin, right? And, you know, it's kind of by chance. Well, is it by chance we're believing God controls the chance? But, but it could have been anyway. So I think probably with a whole ship, and these aren't big ships, so there's not that many people on board. But probably it would be like, I could go down through the middle uh, of the aisle here and say, okay, if it's heads, it's this side. If it's tails, it's this side. So I flip and it comes heads like, okay, somebody over here is buying. You know, and then I could go back through the middle and say, okay, I'm going to flip again. If it's heads, it's the front half. If it's its tails, the back half. When I flip, it comes to the front half. Well, then you could go by pew. You know, I mean, that's, it's, that's, they did something like that. The, the Jews had a, a history of that. Now, these aren't Jews necessarily, but uh, they, they, the priest had a little box underneath his breastplate, and in it was the Urim and the Thummim, okay? And basically there's a, like a, a white stone and a, blue, a red stone, or marbles or something, and they would reach in, and when they couldn't make a decision, and they didn't know what to do, like, okay, Lord, what do I do, yes or no? And he pull it out, it's white, okay, it's yes. I mean, that, that was how they kind of cast lots to make decisions. And, and so, and, and that, that's what happened here. They, they cast lots. But notice, they would abide by what that said. It's ama I'm amazed at how people will abide by foolish stuff, but then not abide by what God says. You know? And, and it's funny now, when they, when they finally come to him and they say, what did you do? Who are you? Tell us about you. He said, I am a Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't actually know much about that word Hebrew. The word Hebrew literally is really a word just to distinguish them from strangers, from foreigners. And, and the literal word really means one from beyond, one from the other side. I know there was a kind of a voodoo movie that kept a guy home from the other side, but I mean, it meant he was from the spirit world. But, but here, I, I just think about that, that really convicted me that I'm from the other side. Because when, when I think about this world, I'm not of this world. Jesus said we are of the world, but not in the world, but not of the world. Right. Jonah, the word other side can mean they were from the other side of the Euphrates. You know, you know, Abraham and them came from the other side. So when they're talking to, to the Canaanites and to the people living in, in the, you know, the Middle East, or Israel, they're saying, well, we're from the other side. We're, we're, we're foreigners. You know, we're strangers in this land. Okay? And that's kind of the idea. But I want you to think about that. We are Christians, right? We are from the other side. We're, we're from, you know, we're Christian. We're from Jesus who, who died and rose again. And we as Christians have died to this world. Only if we live that way. <laughs> you know, we are so wrapped up in this world. You know, what is the stock market going to do? And what about this and that? And we're always worried about all of this world stuff. But what if we really lived like we were from the other side? That heaven is our home. Amen? And we have a place to go. Abraham, uh, or Abraham, Jonah. Well, Jonah said, I am a Hebrew, and I serve the God that created the heavens and the earth. You know? and, and now they all get worked up and afraid. Notice when the captain finds him, verse 6, this, the, it says, uh, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us. He said, what have you done? What are you, what? You know, these, these sailors wouldn't think of disobeying their idols. You know, and I wonder how many people, how many people today read their horoscope in the morning and they wouldn't think of doing anything else but what that horoscope said this, that day. What, what about us? What, what if we spend time with God and hear from Him 
and then not thinking and doing anything but what he said. I mean, that, I mean uh, the captain is shocked. The, the ship, these heathens on the ship are shocked that he won't listen to God. Like, you're, you're going, what? You know, they wouldn't think of that. If they offered an offering to the idol and got some word from an idol, they would listen to that. And here you are, you serve the living God, the creator of the heaven and earth, and you're not listening? They are, they are shocked by this. And what does he say? Call on your God, perhaps your God will be concerned about us. Perhaps. That, that, that word just grabbed me, I just couldn't get that out. I know your translation might not even say it, but uh, perhaps. I, I, I love it, if you read John, Jonah 3, verse 9, when he finally goes and preaches to the Ninevites, and, and the king declares a fast of everybody, and the king says in verse 9, who knows, God may turn and relent. Who knows, they didn't even know for sure that God would hear. But let's give it a try. I mean, let's, just in case, God hears us. I know I was, I was talking to somebody who was reading the, uh, the Bible readings each week, each day, and I know we're working through Amos now, and Amos is a pleasant guy, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, chapter 5, I think it was maybe yesterday or Friday's readings, chapter 5, uh, he gives this first 14 verses of, I'm never going to listen to you, I'm going to destroy you, I hate you, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's kind of the message from God. And then verse 15 says, Hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Perhaps. You know, and, you know what I think about that, we don't have a God of the perhaps. Amen? We have a God who promises to hear our prayers. And, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. God it will forgive if you will call upon him. I think of how many people in bizarre ways have called upon God. At the very depth of their predicament, they say, Lord, if you're out there, show up. And God shows up. Amen? Amen? Yeah. One of my, I've shared this before, because, but it's such a beautiful example. It's, I don't know, a crazy example. But it's the example of the conversion of Ron Booz. It's kind of funny that his name's Booz or Booz. But he, was the, uh, he became the director, of Pe uh, Pennsylvania State Director of PCAP, Pennsylvania. Uh, 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 what is it? PCAP, come on, Pennsylvania Commission on Alcoholic Problems or something like that. But, but they go around and lecture in schools and everything about the, you know. But his name is Ron Booz, Booz, it's spelled Booz. <laughs> but anyway, but he was, he was, he lost, his first marriage was shot and he lost his family. He was an alcoholic, he was a drunk. And he was sitting at home with his, his, uh, you know, little uh, touchtone phone. You guys know what this looks like, right? And, and he was hitting the buttons in a drunken stupor playing songs. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Trying to play a song in his drunken stupor. And guess who answered the phone? A drug and alcohol rehab. Amen. Answered the phone. God, you are crazy good. Amen. Amen. He is all powerful. He can even use the crazy buttons of a drunken man to call for help. Yes. Well, I don't know what happened, how they got connected, but he, he realized they had so ruined his life through alcohol, and, and he gave his life to the Jesus. He got his life together, and he became the Pennsylvania director of PCAMP. And he, he got married again, and he had a family, but, but anybody who calls on the Lord, 
He will hear. He will answer. Amen. He will answer. And we don't have to be a perhaps. But we are certain that he answers. And finally, the people are watching. Mm -hmm. It says in verse 16, after they, all this happened and the water became calm, the men became extremely afraid of the Lord. And they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows. Did you ever notice that when the storms, like the, the, the uh, disciples, when they were on the Sea of Galilee and the storms are going crazy, and then when the, the Lord spoke and it became calm, they, they, that's when they got afraid. They were afraid of dying, and then the Lord calmed the sea, now they're afraid of him. It's like, who is this guy? Right. Remember when they were, he was in the land of the Gadarenes, and, and uh, the... Uh, the the demoniac was running around naked in the, in the uh, tombs and, and the cemetery, and they couldn't chain him. He kept breaking the chains, and when they came back and found him in his right mind and clothed at the foot of Jesus, it said they were afraid and asked him to leave. Get away from me. Remember, Peter says, I'm, an, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. When he saw the great catch of fish. Here, when they saw the waters become calm, they knew they were in the presence of God, that God had acted. And, and they became, people are watching. And I think we always think people are watching our successes. How successful I am, how good I am, how this. I think many times people are watching for our failures. They want to see how you're going to respond to adversity. You know, I, I remember uh, David Siemens, uh, I think it was David, not his dad, was a missionary in India. His dad was a missionary in India, but David was there, David, and they, they weren't having great ministry in India. And, and one time they asked him, he says, well, what's the matter? He says, well, God always blesses you guys. Your babies never get sick. Our babies die. You know, and it was just, we see that there's like different. You guys are always successful and we're not. And, and uh, they lost a baby. David Siemens and his wife uh, had a baby. I don't know if it was stillborn or we got sick early and died. And, and suddenly the Indians connected. Then they started coming to Jesus. They got to know who Jesus was. And they said, what happened? They said, we watched how you survived this, how you trusted the Lord in the midst of your loss. And we know that your God is not just a God of all the people that never have any problems, but he's a God who cares about us. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, people are watching you. You say, every time something bad happens, like, oh God, I don't want this bad to happen. Well, yeah, nobody wants bad to happen. But how do you live in the bad? How do you trust God when things don't always go the way you want them? And my friends, people are watching. They see how you act. They see how you respond. And sometimes our greatest failures become our greatest successes. Uh, you know, Jesus said that when they were asking for a sign, he said, no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. So J Jonah being in the well three days is symbolic of death. Mm -hmm. The death of Jesus. Three days he was in the tomb. And the resurrection, the second chance, is, is, is symbolic of the resurrection. Uh, i got to tell this story, John Wesley. Thank you, Jeremy, for uh, Sermon 29. Uh, I still couldn't find the whole, you know, John Wesley's sermons are so big, and the print is so small. And I tried to find that Jonah passage, like, okay, I just gave up. Like, okay, I don't have time to read this. If you send me a two-page email, eh, I read the first paragraph and last, but two pages is a lot to read, you know. So don't send me two-page emails. Just get it right to me in the beginning. And I, I didn't really find that section because it was just, it's, it's a big sermon. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, but there's a John Wesley story. Talk about your greatest failure becoming your greatest opportunity for success. John Wesley's greatest failure was in, in probably 1735. Uh, he, he and his brother Charles went to Georgia. Yeah, our Georgia. 
And if you go to Savannah, Georgia today, there are statues there. This is where they landed. This is where they built the church. This is all great stuff. And they did have some success there. But, but the, the governor of Georgia, let me get the right name here, was, was Oglethorpe. I thought I had his name here. And, and Charles became his secretary. And so Charles only lasted six months in Georgia. Because Oglethorpe, the governor, was like a little uh, immoral with the women. And so Charles, his secretary, called him out on it. And so he just, he got fired. I mean, he had to leave. He went back to England. John, uh, he made it for two years. Uh, John ran into trouble because he fell in love with a woman, uh, Sophia Hockey. And since John was so focused on his, uh, his ministry, he really was like kind of living a celibate life. And so he never proposed to her. And so uh, William Williamson proposed to uh, Sophia, and they got married. And somehow, somehow Wesley figured that she was uh, cooling off in her faith, so he excommunicates her from the church, at least won't give her communion. It causes such a stir that the whole community gets up in arms. He has to flee back to England. I mean, this is not good. This is the great John Wesley we celebrate. Well, on his way back to England is when he, I think, one of the storms with the Moravians. These Moravian peasants mm -hmm. are in the middle of one of these storms, and they are praising God and singing hymns. Right. And John Wesley, the cleric, the, the missionary, the great teacher, is petrified for his life that he's going to die. And he watches these Moravians, these nutcases, talk about being from the other side. Right. He realized they're from the other side. And I'm not. When he got back to England, he looked up the Moravians. And, it, and that's what happened in 1738 when he uh, uh, went to uh, Aldersgate Street. And he was at a Moravian Bible study. And he said, my heart was strangely warm. He had his Holy Spirit moment, his conversion or his assurance of faith. That we're not quite sure what happened. But God happened. Amen. And his life is never the same. The world was never the same. We're here today partly because of that. Talk about a great failure that God turned into a great turnaround. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you are today. My question to you is, will you repent before it's too late? You don't have to go clear to the bottom of the well, of the, of the fish. It is, uh, you know, you, your translations might say a whole lot of things. Sea serpent, monster, whale. The word in Greek and Hebrew is just is fish. It's just kind of what it is. It's like kind of a generic name. But you don't have to go that far. You can stop anytime. If you're walking in rebellion, or if God has told you something specifically, then, then repent if you're not doing that. And say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will do that. I'm yours. Use me. Use me to, to be a failure. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, I mean, I know you have. God will give you something to do, and you kind of think it's a little wonky. I don't think I should do that. I mean, what, if, what will people think? I'm like, well, so what? If it's what God wants to do, then you should do it. And then you do it, and it's stupid, and it wasn't. You say, okay, God, that wasn't you. Sorry. <laughs> but, but it's all right. I'm walking in obedience, you know. You can do that humbly. You can go up to someone and say, it might seem a little strange, but I think God wants me to pray for you. You know, would you be open to that? Yeah. If, they, if you get, you know, knuckle sandwich, it's like, okay, they're not too open for that. <laughs> you know, have you been punched for Jesus lately? Come on. Come on. Huh? But maybe they'll break down in front of you saying, I was crying out to God that someone would come. Say, God, if you're out there, 
And that's the kind of people God speaks to you about. Mm -hmm. You don't get to pick who God is speaking to. Right. But if he speaks to you about someone, he is working in their life. Let, let's pray that we will be one who hears from God and one who acts in obedience. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the, just the lessons from Jonah. But Lord, I pray that we would be not, the God, not servants of a God who perhaps, but a God who is. Mm -hmm. The God who hears. The God who answers. And I pray, Lord, that we would be like Isaiah that said, Here am I, send me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Oakland Church. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.